Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what? What are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you. And yes, courtesy of our great friends Polaris, our side-by-side partners. Have you checked out the commercial, the youth or the sportsman just yet? Well, get down to your local dealer and do it. This weekend, we have a very busy show this morning, beginning with Steve Devine, of course, former Blues and All Black halfback. What is it about the Blues? What is the recipe they've found? She'll be be surprised. Craig uh, Hodges, the Warriors GM of football, after uh, 10 o'clock this morning on the recent signings, the recruitment process, uh, answer a few questions uh, along those lines, perhaps more off the field than on it. Uh, Andrew Gordy and Lavina Good, a very strong panel this morning, uh, around about 10.20 this morning, a number of issues to talk about, including kids' sport. Kids sport, and are they going to stop, stop making it a, a one-stop shop? In other words, uh, make sure that kids don't have to focus on one particular activity and keep it much more general to guarantee participation. Brett Phillips, the uh, SENZ tennis commentator, will come in. And it's really overwhelming. Australia. Who is this new guy? Who is this new guy who is taking the tennis world by absolute storm? Uh, so we'll catch up with him, and we'll give you a topic very shortly to light up the phone lines just after 9.30. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, last month they turned the first sod on the side of the Tikaha Stadium, but uh, not much has happened since. In its planning, last year another $50 million was added to the budget, and now speculation suggests another $50 million will soon have to be added due to escalation and supply issues, uh, including the cost of the Ukraine war. 30,000 capacity, state-of-the-art, all the mod cons, a stone's throw from the regrowing Garden City. Sounds perfect, doesn't it? And it will be once they get round to doing it. Traditionally, it has been pretty slow going in Christchurch to get things through the system. Hagley Oval was a process and a half, as were the accompanying lights, but it's a superb facility, marvelled at by visitors who believe it has the perfect ambience from day through to night. Certainly scrubbed up pretty well for the Women's Cricket World Cup final, painted Christchurch in a pretty good light around the globe. Lots of pride, very few complaints at that point. The current Winter Park Orange Theory oozes temporary toilets, refreshments, changing rooms. It's because that's what it always was, a stopgap, an 18,000 capacity stopgap. Canterbury sports fans are a loyal bunch, faithful to a fault and they deserve better. And as ratepayers, they deserve to drive past the current vacant lot and see some activity. Real activity. I'm no economist, struggling to balance my own books from time to time, but one thing is for sure, 
It ain't going to get any cheaper if that's the real issue. Okay, so that's one side of uh, coin. The other is, uh, will it be still viable when the novelty wears off? How often will the Crusaders fill it? How many concerts can you attract and can you survive on one all-black test match a year? At the moment, on current attendance trends, you could well be justifiably a tad sceptical and maybe what those uh, holding the project up are worried about to the main point. It is possible the current drive past the vacant lot could turn into a cruise past the biggest white elephant in the south. No way, surely, surely not Christchurch people, no way. It is 9.06 here on SENZ in the mornings. Welcome along, and this big welcome along too to former All Black halfback and Blues halfback as well, and Steve Devine, who uh, has been, uh, I'm sure, keeping an eye on a Blues squad which is growing on a weekly basis. Should we be surprised? Well, no, they really. Uh, they won the Trans-Pasman side of uh, Super Rugby last year, and they've just backed it up with consistent performances. One loss this year, and it looks better and better when you see blowout scores at the weekend like 71-28 over the Rebels. Morning to you, Steve. Thanks for joining us. No worries, Vinny. How are you? I'm, I'm really good, mate. And as a, blues, a former Blues player and a, a Blues fan, um, I would imagine deep down that uh, you're quite pleased with the trend at the moment. Mate, yeah, the boys are playing well. There's no doubt about that. But, uh, mate, I, I still don't think they've put a, a solid 80 uh, minutes together just yet. And... Um, yeah, we're not quite we're not quite at the business end of the season, so there's still still a little way to go. But certainly, uh, it has been a great improvement on the last on the last few years. Look at the personalities uh, off the field to begin with. Uh, it seems that Leon McDonald has found the right balance, uh, and along with uh, Tom Coventry, Daniel Halangahu, uh, they seem to have um, found an acceptable mix uh, for the players to to warm to. Yeah, yeah, I, I made it. I was actually down uh, at Blues HQ yesterday. Uh, we had a bit of an old buggers catch up and uh, cook breakfast for the for the team. And um, mate, I, I am impressed by the team. They're, they're they're allowed to be themselves. They're allowed to be the individuals that they are. And um, and they get together when when it's time to do some hard work, and they get stuck in together, which um, is making for a pretty good environment down there. I can tell you. So who are the generals? Who, who, who's running the cutter on the field as, as you look at it at the moment that's, that's getting it going in the right direction? Um, well, obviously, Bowden Barrett's been a pretty big influence and, um, you know, he, he's what's been needed for a long time. He's a cool head at number 10 to, to make sure that everyone's heading in the right direction. So he's clearly an influence. Um, Stephen Perifet has had a pretty outstanding year. He, um, he had an awesome uh, end of last season and, and has backed it up again this year. So... I mean, the Blues. The Blues have always done pretty well up here with with the talent they have. When you have a general sort of guiding them around the pitch, so you know, I think I think um, uh, Bodie Bodie's done a pretty good job of that, and um, and and the others why they've been uh, why he's been away, but um, also um, Dalton in the forward pack. He's just, I mean, he's still a kid, but he's just he's just tough and hard, you know. And um, and then you've got uh, Luke Romano, who's who's into the team as well. Just a, a bit of old school toughness is. Um, is what's really, I think, has given that forward pack a bit, a bit of a hard edge this year. Uh, nothing better than to see a, a Blues backline express themselves, and uh, we saw that at the weekend, uh, 71-28. Uh, the finishing was superb from pretty much every area of the park. So, 
that I think is 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 music to the ears of um, of blues fans when they when you when you can kind of see that kind of talent unleashed on a consistent basis. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, the, the back line is good. They they perform well, but they're, they're, to be fair, they're allowed to perform pretty well. That the Rebels team didn't offer a lot uh, in terms of wanting to tackle anyone. So, um, but you know, they, they started poorly, but they got themselves back into the game through you know the forwards. Um, I think finally, you know, we've always had a pretty pretty talented back line with um, you know with some individuals that are you know really that that top end, but. It's, it's the forward dominance that, I, that I've liked this year the most that's impressed me. They, they, they're able to get the ball over the advantage line you know, pretty consistently and, and, and be guaranteed to win their own ruck ball. And I, I think that's a big part of it, having, having, the forward, having the forwards been able to win consistent ball and you know, the backs don't need to try and do it in one phase or two phases. They're, they're happy to hang on to the ball and they're happy to do it in nine and ten phases and you know, if the forwards keep getting over the advantage line, then it, then it makes for a tough day when you've got those um, explosive backs on the outside to, to finish off like they have been. So, I mean, it was great to see. It was great to see on Saturday. You know, some long range tries as well. But you know, they, they were allowed to play pretty well. It's going to be a completely different story this weekend. Okay, let's uh, look at also. Uh, you mentioned Dalton Popperley, who has who has having the season of all seasons thus far. He must be putting his name up in lights for Ian Foster and Co. On a more regular basis, but um, there's some pretty other handy other acqu- well, I won't say acquisitions. I've been around a little while, but the likes of Tom Robinson, um, Hoskins Satutu, starting to have a, a bit of a season on a more regular basis. These are guys that have sort of in the past had good moments, had good hours, drifted away from the piece, been here one week, not quite there the next week. What are you seeing out of, of those type of players on a more regular basis? You know, I just think it's the experience thing. So. You know, they're still a pretty young team, you know, and and I heard Wayne Banner talk a few years ago about uh, he he not really been really interested in in a play until they've sort of hit the fifty game mark. You know, they're not they're still sort of understanding themselves how to get themselves prepared weekly, and and until that hit until they hit that fifty game mark, then they don't really have the maturity to you know to push and to push other people. So. I think with the Blues, we're starting to see that maturity level come through now. Those the boys have been there for two and three years are, are sort of starting to step up. That's Hoskins, that's uh, Tom Robinson, and uh, Kurt Eklund. You know, they, they've all they all starting to get that little bit of uh, game experience where they they've been there before. They know what to do. Uh, they know how to prepare properly. They know how to um, you know when the, when the tough really gets going, how to how to grind one out and. Um, that that's I think has been the big difference for the Blues. We've often had these people come in and they're there for two three years and then they disappear and it, it's it's sort of really been hard to build a bit of momentum. But it it seems that we, we we've got the players now that have sort of got that little bit of game experience. They're sort of getting towards the fifty matches, um, and 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 it just builds depth and it just builds a bit of character when when they've been in a in a tough position before. They they know how to get themselves out of it and they know how to push people around them. That that's a big two players thing. in the back. Okay, that's it's cool, Steve. Steve Devine with us this morning. Uh, Roger Tovasashek and Caleb Clark. Now, Caleb Clark, massive frame, but probably not used in the right fashion, whether it was his own um, uh, inability to get involved in the game to the level of some wingers these days or whether uh, that's not what they wanted them to do. I, I don't know. But uh, what about Roger Tovasashek's development, Caleb Clark's return to rugby, the 15s game? Yeah, two having both having two pretty awesome seasons. I mean, I had a brief chat to Roger yesterday, and he, he's really enjoying 
the game. He's learning. He's the first to put his hand up and say he's probably, you know, it's, it's probably a little bit more taught than he thought, but he's learning every day. Every day at training, he's learning something new, and, and you can see it in his game. You know, he's, he's getting better. He's getting a lot more confident over the top of the ball when he's, when he's made a tackle to try and get a turnover. You know, they're, they're skills that are going to take a little while to develop, but you can see that that's happening in his game. His passing game's getting better. Um, we all know what he can do with his feet. You know, it's just it's just a matter of now just just um, waiting until he gets a bit of space. You know, he often gets the ball and there's three people right on top of him. But, you know, he's getting there. There's, there's no doubt There's no doubt about it that he's a super athlete. Like, he is, he is next level. And um, talking to a few of the other boys, it's, it's about what he does at training and what he makes other people do at training. It's been a big part of um, this team. You know, he's, he's still learning himself, but... That the level of professionalism that he holds himself to is really, really pushing a few of the younger boys like Caleb Clark to, to do better at training and to work a little bit harder at training, and and, and it's certainly shown off on the field. And you know, Caleb had had that tough um, three weeks off due to, um, you know, a pretty, a pretty harsh uh, punishment, I thought. But um, you know, he's he's a good kid, and he's I know he's working hard on his game, and um, you know, when he gets the ball, he, he lights up the field. No one can. Uh, Argue that when he, you know, when he gets the ball, he just explodes and he runs hard and straight and and, uh, and does his thing and and that's what you want from a winger. So, again, a, just a kid with not a lot of experience and we just gotta we just gotta be patient with them and and just give them time because I, I know they're heading in the right, right direction and they're, and they're doing the hard work through the week. So, you know, it's got to be good. Uh, before we get on to uh, halfbacks, and I want to talk about halfbacks around the country as well, not just uh, Finlay Christie and the Blues group, but. Um, the Reds, you mentioned uh, it'll be different this week. What are you expecting from the Reds on the bounce back from losing to the Highlanders? Yeah, listen, the Reds, the Reds are they're, they're a little bit more physical. They're going to make their tackles. Um, they've got some they've got some bigger boys. Um, I, I think the uh, the Tongan Thor is going to be out still with an injury, which is which is huge for them. He's, he's such a, a monumental part of that team of the Reds team. So. Um, I, it just they're going to be bigger and stronger. They're going to make their tackles. Uh, the Blues are going to have to bring some physicality again and, and get on top. They've got to not try and score tries from the first minute, but but try and get on top of the pack first and wind them down. And then once they've got a bit of a rain, then then get it wide to the backs. Um, you know, it's going to be a battle. It's not going to. I don't think it's going to take 40 minutes and be all over this week. It's going to. It's going to go down to the 60, 70 minutes hopefully, and and they can get on top and and, and grind one out. It's, I, they're not going to get a run like they uh, they did last weekend. Have our halfback stocks been stronger in the country for a while? Let's let's look at what we've got available to us here. Aaron Smith's a given, uh, and then you put a you know then you put a a group together behind him. You know, looking at Finlay Christie this this, this season so far, uh, then you look at uh, T.J. Perinara. Has is he still a, has he still got it? Is he still around? Uh, and then of course you, you're talking about the, the combination from the Crusaders who have always been knocking on the door. Uh, and then this fellow Fokatava from down south. I mean, we're we're looking at quite a good nucleus here, Steve. Yeah, I I really like Finlay Christie. He he to me, listen, Aaron Smith's a given. You're going to take him every day of the week because of his experience. But I don't think anyone, I don't think any halfback is playing as well as um, Finlay Christie in the country right now. Uh, you know, the speed the speed he gets the breakdown, the, the speed he clears the ball. Um, he, he's around the field tackling. You know, he's, he's trying to tackles in the corner. He's he, he's he's on top of his game. And he, uh, to me personally, and he has been for for this competition, he's been the, the best halfback in the comp for sure. And 
Um, I just think if we can have that passing, that, that efficient, get the ball in, get it out halfback, and also along with a running halfback like Fakatava at the moment, you, you'd have to say that that's the, that's the greatest combination you can have as, as two halfbacks coming on. You've got one on for sort of 60, 60 minutes, uh, getting the ball in, getting it out, clearing it, um, trying to play quick ruck uh, phases, and then you have a guy that come on for the last sort of 15, 10 minutes to, to run, carry um, those forwards around the fringes will be a bit tired and you know there's no one there's, there's no better running halfback in the country right now than, than, than Fakatava Left out Brad Webber too of course who's pretty much an incumbent if we were picking uh, six months ago we we're, were picking you know three halfbacks to go on tour Webber was in there um, so there's yeah, another one to absolutely. add to the mix but he, he's been out with injury Yeah, yeah it's hard yeah I know, I know that like the people that they've had and you know they're probably going to get selected again but yeah unfortunately you know Brad Webb we all know what he is and when he's in his best form he's, he's an outstanding running halfback as well um, but yeah unfortunately he's just, he's just been injured he hasn't had a lot of game the, the Chiefs haven't quite got on top of their game with momentum and stuff like that so I guess he's got three weeks and maybe four weeks with whether they'll get a quarter final to, to get fit and get back on the field and prove what he's got but I mean, at the moment, if you're picking the game team tomorrow, the, the best two halfbacks are clearly Christie and, and Fakatava at the moment. OK, uh, let's look at uh, what the Blues have got after this week. They have uh, to maintain their top spot at the moment. Two clear of the Brumbries, six clear of the Crusaders, 13 clear of the Chiefs and the Waratahs. So uh, looking pretty solid at the top there. But they do have this encounter this weekend, which could be a gnarly one. And then, of course, they go to Canberra and take on the Brumbies, who... Uh, I saw against the Chiefs the other day. I thought was super efficient. Yeah, the Brumbies are a different team. You know, they they're not. They're, they've got a great forward pack. They're they're big and strong, um, and they just play that Northern Hemisphere style. Where they'll they won't play any rugby. They'll they'll clear well uh, until they're in the, your twenty-two, and they get into your twenty-two by your mistakes or by penalties, and they don't play any rugby till they get down there, and then they um, and then they. You know, if they don't score from the, the rolling more, then they, they, they've got a few backs that can play. So patience is a big word for the Brumbies. If, if you just, you've got to be patient against them or they'll, they'll hurt you. If you try and play this razzle-dazzle against the Brumbies, like we've seen in the last couple of weeks, they'll, they'll just grind you out and they'll grind you to a spot. They won't play any rugby until they're in your 22 and then they're either kicking penalties or scoring tries and, and you're up against it. And, you know, that's what they did to the Hurricanes and Highlanders. So... Um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a ding dong battle uh, this week for the Brumbies and the Crusaders, and then they're going to have to back it up again next week against the Blues. So um, it's it's sort of good to see like these are semi-finals the next couple of weeks. It's it's good for the comp to see these games happen. You know, a couple of weeks uh, before they really get down to the to the to the finals footy. Um, the Brumbies are a good team, and um, I, I, it's going to be a, it's going to be a real good battle against the Crusaders this weekend. It's uh, it's definitely one to watch. Steve, and, and looking at the Brumbies, looking at perhaps an Im- slightly improved Waratahs side, the Reds have talked about, I, I just uh, wonder, will that transfer? Will it transfer into the gold jersey, the, the gold jersey of Australia? Can Dave Rennie uh, continue this, uh, what looks on the outside, if you look at score lines, to be in slightly an, an improving trend from their point of view? Do you see the Wallabies being better because of this? Uh, yeah, I, I guess... They'll be they'll be the Wallabies. They're, they're the same players as last year. I just think the Brumbies have just they play their game. They've learnt their game a little bit better. Um, whether the Brumbies game ends up being Australia's game, I'm not too sure. But 
You know, you know that you know kick out of your own half. You don't play any rugby to get a penalty. Once you've got a penalty advantage, then you really try and play some rugby. That's like the UK. That's what you know the Englands and the Irish and, and the French are all doing. Um, so I mean, if Aussie want to play that game, then then that's up to Dave Rennie. But I mean, traditionally, Dave last year tried to tried to throw the ball around a little bit and tried to run around the All Blacks. So um, I don't see that game working. I, I can. I, yeah, I don't see that game working. I see the Brumbies game plan working. Um, you know, the Irish the Irish did it well against us last year and the French beat us last year. The Africans, um, they they play that Northern, Northern Hemisphere style now. So, um, you know, we struggle. The All Blacks struggle against that game plan. And, and if I was coming up against the All Blacks as a coach, that's certainly what I'd be trying to do is playing no rugby, waiting for a penalty in the 22 and then waiting for a penalty advantage and... and I mean, look at it, South Africa, that's all they've done for the last three years and they're world champs and number one team in the world. Mm. Uh, well, OK, let's, um, if that's the plan, let's hope the All Blacks can, uh, can actually master it as well. So, hey, Steve, it's been great catching up with you. It's been a while. Um, fantastic to hear your thoughts on the Blues and particularly that halfback situation, which uh, is pretty strong at the moment. Go well. Thank you. Cheers, Billy. Yeah, cheers. Steve Devine there, of course, uh, former Blues uh, Halfback, former all-black halfback, uh, running his, uh, his eye across the halfback situation, and particularly the Blues as well. And why why wouldn't you be positive? Uh, he's he's um, cautiously positive, though. Uh, I wouldn't say he's over-the-top positive. He, he knows that there are... Uh, he's seen the Blues often enough to know that uh, it can come and go a wee bit. Uh, but at the moment, uh, this game against the Reds could be a real barometer game for them. It will not be, as he said, uh, a cakewalk like last weekend. And then, of course, that trip to Canberra to take on the Brumbies, which could be a defining game in terms of who finishes top. Who finishes top might host the final. Uh, they have that advantage. 1923 here on SENZ. All winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. We're going to open up the phone lines uh, after the 9.30 break and uh, we will have our number 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811 available to you. I uh, love the, the likes of Graham and Brian and Brad to, to call in. You guys that have sent texts in already this morning. Uh, are the Blues the, the real deal for you? Are we looking at uh, uh, the new benchmark in New Zealand rugby? Blues fans, get on the phone, be positive about it. Love to hear from you about that. Who's going to stop the Blues? That's the other thing. Who could possibly stop the Blues? Uh, and on the other side of things, Christchurch people, give us a call as well uh, down there. Um, what about this new stadium? Are you itching for it to be built? Will you go? Um, could it, after a period of, of newness and novelty, could it actually disappear uh, in terms of being a bit of a white elephant, as I may have suggested in the sermon, uh, based on, just on attendance figures these days, really? Uh, I'd love to hear from any of you around the country. Uh, Dino, any of you people uh, want to have a, a view on the Blues or the Christchurch Stadium, which at this stage appears a long way off because they haven't even, uh, apart from turning a sod, they haven't done anything else at this point apart from discuss the budget. So Christchurch people, Blues fans, or even you, Dino from Dunedin, look forward to talking to you very shortly. It is 9.30 here on SENZ. Talkback time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811.
9.32 here on SENZ. Yes, a $50 voucher from Chemist Warehouse is up for grabs right here and now. First crack at it this morning. Dino from Dunedin, you haven't let me down, mate. Good morning to you. Yeah, going smithy, all right? Yeah, going good, mate. You want to talk about the Blues? Well, yeah, I just like rugby in general, mate. But honestly, we all want to see them doing well. But I'm not really interested in bull rush rugby. So, um, you said to me the other day when I spoke to you that they play the Brumbies in Canberra. The next two Saturdays, or Friday night this week, and Saturday for me, are really interesting watches. Like, I'm going to actually go watch it. I listened to it on the wireless there in uh, Tikapo, the Chiefs game. And I'm curious about this Valentino guy. Like, his name on the radio was every face. Sam Keynes was twice in 80 minutes. And one of them was naming the teams in the run on the field. So, yeah, we get the, the, the Blues looking good. The Crusaders, anyone that thinks that they're, you know, done and dusted, I don't know where they've been, head under a rock or something for the last 10 years. Like, they'll start going good now. Like, that's an all-black team. And unlike you being a sports journalist or a radio junkie, whatever you call yourself, and me hammering and nails, we've got to go every day of the week. But these rugby players, they can only go, you know, certain months of the year. And if that means international June window and then World Cup window, and we start winning those windows, I'm ha- I can live with that, you know? That doesn't worry me. But what annoys me is when we don't have combinations and we're this close to a World Cup, when you can name the all-black starting team, Smithy, and every man and his dog can name it, we win those World Cups. When we're rotating like a washing machine, no one knows, we never do any good, and we keep doing it. I'm really worried about Forster. I'm pleased we've got Smith in there and the Blues. Romano's got to be the buyer of the year. He's not... If they had a, an award at the Sports Awards for finding yourself or reclaiming what you used to have, and it almost makes me think of the rugby becoming that stale and that boring and that regimented, that a player like him has to leave to actually play the rugby he was capable of playing because he's doing so much good for Auckland. The big red dog there with him. And got Dalton Popoliti, mate. Like, if he doesn't start at seven for the All Blacks, what is the point in him playing seven? Like, the best players have got to, on form, used to get the All Black jersey. Now it's almost like it's harder to get in than get out. That's not good enough. We're not winning anymore. We need to pick the form players. The public want to see the form players. There's, Dalton has to be there, mate. He just has to be. And Ethan Blackadder, for me, he might be the next all-black captain. There you go. I really like that kid too. Tough, uncompromising. Well, I think, yeah, I think Dalton Popoliti um, is probably lining himself up to be a, an all-black leader uh, at some point very shortly. Um, I, I'm... That, that is the issue, you see, um, because, uh, and you, you picked it out quite well, Dean, the first thing you, you name is your all-black captain, that's the guy we used to name, wasn't it? The all-black captain was just a given for years and years and years, first name you pick, but uh, you're, what you're saying really is uh, the incumbent, who basically is uh, Sam Kane, if you're looking from the outside, you can't name him, you, you can't name him, and could you name Sam Whitelock, who's probably the next one, when you have the likes of Romanu? playing out of their skins above his standard at the moment. No, you can't, but they will. But you can't. Like the, uh, I said the other day, the only 
I think there's four that I could name. Aaron Smith could be captain tomorrow. He'd go okay. So Aaron is definite. Bowden's definite. Will Jordan's definite. Geordie Barrett's definite. And I guess Rico Ioane, like I've got to be honest, Smithy, like he threw two fabulous centre passes on the weekend. So, you know, if he keeps that up, I've got to take my hat off to him because I didn't think he had the ability. But what annoys me with that is why do we have to coach an all-black 13? Like, used to be the best guy in Jersey 13 got the job. We've taken three years of him mucking around at 13. And now, finally, he's actually getting some of those distribution skills and vision skills. But I still reckon when I see him, he wants to run. So I don't know why we're trying to turn him into a 13. Like, as an opposition coach, I'm happy to have him at 13. And in number 11, he's, he's Jonah-like. And that's scary. I don't know why they want him at 13. It, do, it doesn't make any sense to me. Geordie Barrett has got the skill set for a 13. I would love to see David Harvilli at 12 because I want a kicking game and I want a guy that's not afraid to kick a drop kick to win a World Cup final. I don't think Bowden's that man. He has kicked a few in World Cups, though, but David Harvilli will have a crack, and I like his skill set at 12. We haven't got a thumping uh, what we'd give now to give Lamarpe back, but he's hot and cold, you know, like... He would be interesting to see him playing at the top of his game now. I think the second five jersey would be selling up, but unfortunately he's gone away. Dean from Dunedin, always a, a really top contributor to uh, our shows, our shows across the board, actually. Dean, thanks for your call this morning and those views. John, John from Auckland uh, is next cab off the rank. Good morning to you. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant call there, mate. Um, totally right. Roman is playing out of his skin. Uh, 34 years old, maybe an all-black call-up. Um, both of you alluded to, you know, in the past we've named the best player, um, obviously our all-black captain. But I think, um, why did they take the captaincy away from Adi Savia? I mean, you're a Hurricanes fan there. Uh, he, he has to be the best forward we have had in a few years. Every game he's, you, you know, you commentate him. Every game he's in it. Um the last caller alluded to Valentini. Now, that's another um, Adi Safia-like player. Now, this Wallabies team coming up, mate, jeez, they, they're going to be quite good, eh? Because Dave Rennie's, you know, the, he's sewing them up quite nicely. And um, their, their Brumbies team, you know, they, they could well finish top of the table. Well, I look so, at that, John. I look at that loose, loose forward mix for the Brumbies. You're absolutely spot on. Valentini was a standout at the weekend. Not far behind yep. him, though, was Pete Samu. Remember Pete Samu used to play for Tasman? Yep. Uh, he's playing out yep. of his skin. They've got the, yo- the young guy, Jerome Brown, and let's not f- uh, f- forget to factor in a fellow by the name of Michael Hooper. Loose forward stocks yep. for the Wallabies are in great nick. Well, exactly, mate, exactly. And, um, you know, they're playing twice at home against South Africa. South Africa rubbish in Australia. So, that, that you know, I wouldn't put it past them to beat South Africa twice again. And probably beat England three nil, the way they're going. But just on just on our team, uh, obviously I live in Auckland, so I'm supporting the Blues. Um, yep, great fluidity. Uh, I uh, concur with the last caller. He said it's a bit of ball rush rugby. The thing is, the Blues are winning, mate. And you know you can't say that you know in the past ten years, fifteen years also about this um, Blues side. Um, but you know they've got some challenges coming up. They've got two away games in Australia against the Brumbies and Tars. And the Tars have proven that, you know, they're no pushovers. 
I mean, your canes are going over there this weekend, mate. Can they do it? Who knows? <laughs> but um, who knows? <laughs> yeah. But but you You're know, right. I want to finish off with this. We need Adi Savia to be the captain. Full stop of the All Blacks. Okay. Okay. John, thank you very much for your call here. I appreciate your input on the show this morning. And I, like you, agree that uh, the All Black captain has to be a guaranteed starter every week. Every week, the All Black captain just simply is unchallenged in his position in the side. Um, you could not say that. Uh, you couldn't possibly say that about Sam Kane at the moment. You could say it, though, about Artie Savia because he can fit into your mix in a lot of areas and he must be in your starting 15. Steve, we've had Steve Devine from Auckland. We've got another Steve. Good morning to you. Yeah, definitely not divine, um, um, Smithy, but uh, interesting, convers- interesting uh, uh, conversation. You, you know, you could arguably say that Australia have already got their loose forward mix sorted out way before us. You could have Valentini at six, you could have Samu at eight, and Hooper <clears throat> basically at, at, um, on the side of the scrum. So you kind of look at the All Black mix and man we just tried so many different combinations yeah something that bugs me smithy is you know i watch a team like the, the hurricanes and i've got a even though i'm a blue supporter got a personal investment because i've got a nephew that plays for the for the for the canes but i look at their loose forward mix and i can't help feel that somebody like Artie just gets absolutely wasted playing it at, at number eight and that's why it was it was great to see the boy um of oh, the new kid lover shane from um, from the turbos basically coming to the side. What do you think? Well, I, look, I, I, I can't work out the loose forward, Max. I've been scratching my head to do that for quite some time. I mean, we have guys that just uh, one week you say, yeah, absolutely. That, I mean, that's all black material. He's got to start. And then they sort of drift off the pace the following week. Um, so as, as you're looking at those consistent guys who are absolutely there. Now, right here and now, Two guys that probably you'd have to put in the mix would be Adi Savia and Dalton Papali'i. Uh, but because they're playing at the peak of their powers, it seems, right here and now. Whether that's a good thing, you can't play at the peak of your powers for a whole season, uh, Steve, a whole calendar year. There has to be peaks and troughs. That's just human nature. I don't know. But if I was looking at form now, and I, I imagine now that we're heading to, towards the playoff side of things, that uh, Ian Foster, Grant Fox and co are seriously looking at form right here and now. Um, yeah. Those two names in particular in the loose forwards, aside from that, just I'm still guessing a wee bit for uh, a, a guarantee. Uh, Steve, thanks very yeah. much for your call this morning. Uh, yeah, I appreciate your input, mate. Uh, Craig from Tauranga. Oh, good day, Smithy. How you doing? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Hey, I'll, I won't keep you too long, but talking about the Blues, um, I think I heard you say earlier, the, the Blues fan, I am a Blues fan, I know I'm in Tauranga, but I grew up in Auckland, um, you asked if they were the real deal. I, I, I grew up during the, the 80s and the 90s, so uh, with the likes of Fitzpatrick and Brooke and and, um, and uh, Jones, um, Michael Jones and, and co. So I think this, um, I think what we've seen previously um, in these in these last few years uh, is not the Auckland rugby team that it should be. And I think what we're seeing now is a return to, to what they really are. So I absolutely think they're the real deal. Um, I, I just think it's been a long time coming. I think we're back to, or, or certainly on the way back to, to the strength that we used to be once upon a time. So um, that, that's my opinion on, on the Auckland rugby team. Well, no, I hope so. That's why I, I hope because, because I'm an Auckland rugby fan. 
Craig, thanks very much for your input this morning. Uh, and thanks to all our callers, uh, Jared. We haven't quite got time for you, but please call me back tomorrow, Jared. I'd love to have your views on the stadium. Uh, we'll be doing it at uh, 9 30 uh, tomorrow morning as well. Jared, please, you can be first in line. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the new stadium down there, uh, perhaps on the Crusader as, as well. I know you're uh, an avid fan, so uh, look forward to that. Uh, it is 9.45 here on SENZ. We'll tell you who's won the Chemist uh, Warehouse voucher very shortly. Uh, we've got some text to read out and a multi before 10 o'clock. He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.50 here on SENZ. Uh, Brendan has come in and said, Good morning, Smithy. After Steve Devine's chat re halfbacks, if the teams were uh, was announced tomorrow, you'd have the two Highlanders boys and maybe Christy. But when TJ re-signed at top money, there's no way they wouldn't select him for the All Blacks, as that's what Foster will do, which is being loyal, but he needs uh, but he needs wins. Who's your top three? Well, uh, my top three would be... Uh, pretty much your top three at the moment. I think it's a nice mix, but I wouldn't leave Brad Weber out either. Uh, on the, he's, uh, certainly, he's a, he's a Christie-like player for me. I think you can have one of those, but you've got to make room, I think, for a guy who's so effective coming off the bench uh, like a Fokotava. He's so strong. He's so physical at the breakdown. Uh, he, he busts around the fringes. He likes to run with the ball, and he's slick enough for those uh, 20 or 30 minutes that he played the other night. He was very, very sharp about everything that he did. Uh, Smithy Papali'i must uh, be the all-black captain without fail. Foster has to make the call and the Blues to go all the way. The depth of the squad is huge. Yes, Ken, probably their number one Blues supporter, has been uh, a Blues supporter and a supporter of the likes of uh, Dalton Papali'i Hoskins Satutu since the inception of this radio station. Um, morning, Smithy. How good are Dean's calls? He's so right. Can you get Dean on every uh, day just so we can hear him say, 13, and I don't know how to say it in any way the same way that he can. Uh, morning, Ian. Very interesting conversation, particularly with Steve Devine. The backs take care of themselves, but we need a major boost to our forward pack to deliver the platform to play off. Overseas sides are very strong in those areas. Uh, Graham said, uh, Morning, Smithy. No mention of Josh Goodhue by yours, Stephen, up until he was injured, has been a standout for that forward pack along with Romano. Hopefully he's back soon and can prove it to you all how good he is. Cheers. Uh, Graham from Marlborough, but more importantly, formerly from Northland. Uh, we have a multi coming up very shortly, 9.52 here on SENZ. G'day, Peter Alatini here. Join myself and Ricardo as we go Pacific Flare every Monday, 7.30. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, the weekend multi was great. Monday's was even better. Tuesday's not so good because yesterday uh, Milwaukee blew a big lead in the fourth quarter and Boston overtook them to win that game to draw the series to all Milwaukee and Boston in the NBA. So that went out the window. And of course, uh, last night I had the Brisbane Roar to beat uh, and draw with the Sydney Football Club. <coughs> they actually beat them. Uh, so Brisbane beat Sydney. So that was uh, easily a failure. Uh, today, what are we doing today? Okay, there's a couple of basketball games involved today. Sydney Kings to beat the Jack Jumpers tonight. That's game three. I think they'll sweep the series. Best of five series. I think the Sydney Kings will wrap up 
being the NBL champions for 2022. Uh, Miami Heat to beat the 76ers. Miami Heat, um, pretty cool. A pretty cool side in the 76ers. Uh, and Bieber's back wearing a face mask. Um, but I just think Jimmy Butler uh, at home with the 76ers might be a bit tough at $1.65. And then uh, an important game tonight too in the IPL. They're starting it all to be important for those around the fourth and fifth spot area. Rajasthan Royals to beat the Delhi Capitals at $1.73. You multi those three up. Sydney into Miami into Rajasthan and you'll get $3.77 for your return there. Uh, tune in uh, to SNZ every Sunday from 11am to 12pm for Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed, hosted by two legendary Greyhound experts in this country and Mark Rosanowski and Andy McCook. And don't miss a beat with Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed. Uh, also, uh, this morning we'll be talking uh, just before 11 o'clock to Pip Morris. Now, I believe Pip will be calling the Greyhounds out of Palmerston North. It's a treat to listen to her do that. After the break, we shall be talking to Craig Hodges, Warriors GM of football. Topics, recent signings, the recruitment process, and more questions about the current state of the club. And we encourage you, actually, uh, while we're talking to our guests, uh, if you've got something that uh, you'd, you'd like us to ask them, get in on double eight double three double eight double three. Text us for that if you've got a question, a genuine question, you would like answered on the spot. It is uh, coming up to 10 o'clock here. And we've got Aroha with the news and then Rugby League after the break. The all-new SCNZ is Kiwi for sport. Your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. 10.03 here on SCNZ and... uh, been a topsy-turvy season for the Warriors, particularly in the last few weeks. We could say that pretty much every year, couldn't we? But it's the truth. Their supporters stick with them, though, through thick and thin. They currently sit just two points out of the NRL top eight, and the season isn't over by a long shot. But to be fair, they need to get up from uh, last weekend's very, very disappointing 29-10 loss to the Sharks. We've got the Rabbits this weekend. Um, we've said if you want to text in on double eight double three, you can ask, this gentleman, some uh, questions direct to me. I'll pass them on. Craig Hodges is the general manager of football for the Warriors uh, in charge of uh, everything that's dear to the fans, including player recruitment and signings. Craig, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, look, good news this week. Uh, Tohu Harris is back. Uh, what immediate impact do you see him coming into the side that perhaps needs a bit of impact after last weekend? Paul, who's obviously an outstanding player, you know, so he brings, um, yeah, there's a good footballer coming straight into our team, which it, it doesn't hurt anything to have good footballers coming in, but he's also got great leadership value, good experience, you know, all those things. At times, you would have seen last week, even when we bring off our um, starting players, you know, we get very inexperienced very quickly, um, you know, with a 19-year-old fullback and two 19-year-old centres, and, and those guys, uh, uh, you know, they have someone like uh, Torhu come into the side with his talk and uh, whether it be in their preparation this week, whether it be in the pre-game and then during the game uh, will only help them. So who is, um, when you look at things like last weekend, who, when you look out the window, who, who are you looking to lift them or change strategies and things on the park and the current squad? Be, um, you know, Torhu, as you said, will add to that, but who, who do you also look at in that group? 
Well, certainly look at our front rowers to get us going first in um, Adam and Matt, and um, you know, talk, contribute to them. So we get a pretty good rotation there um, going. Uh, our halves, like Sean, um, he's an experienced player. Sean Johnson, he's been around for a long time, um, obviously represented the club for a long time before a, a small break. Um, you know, we're looking for some experience and leadership from him in those situations. And then, uh, and, and if the if the senior guys take more of that responsibility when the time comes, there's not as much pressure on those younger guys. They, they, the younger guys can just do their job, uh, which at the moment, you know, there's, there's a few guys there that are 10 games in and... Um, you know, they can just do their job uh, as they get more experience and get more confident and, and ability is not their worry at all. They can make things happen when um, when they get given the opportunity and, and we can, you know, we get the advantage of that, but we're not relying on them to have to do things that are beyond their years at the moment. And I think at times we're probably drifted out of games and our senior guys haven't stayed in the contest as hard as what we could, but they, they're working really hard. The work they're doing around the group, the senior guys, has been very impressive. I wish people on the outside could see the work that they're... Um, uh, that they're doing, and I'm, I'm really confident, Smithy, that it's going to uh, that we're looking for a good performance this week. Really confident. Well, you don't need uh, Craig clearly as uh, silly suspensions. You're going to get them in the gamer league anyway, but you you don't need the really silly ones. And uh, on that subject, Martello Montoya is back this week. I would imagine pretty determined. He has been incredible the four weeks he's been out. Uh, he's really felt he's had a um, debt to the team. Uh, he's let the team down in, in his eyes. So. He's, uh, he's trained absolutely incredibly. He's set the standard. He's trained with the rehab guys because um, he's been out of the out of the main group. And uh, he, he's really set the standard there for everybody that's in that rehab group, of which Talker was one as well. So um, Josh Curran, you know, there's, some, there's been some um, good players in that group at the moment. And uh, Marcel has helped raise the bar there. And he'll, he's another one that brings experience and talk um, into that side, into our side. And uh, he's talk alone with the... Um, you know, with the younger guys that I just spoke about before, you know, benefits them. Just just continuing to um, let them know where they need to be, let them know what they're doing well, reassure them when things are going great. But, uh, and the other thing which is not to be underestimated is uh, he's a competitive bugger. He's, uh, you know, that's a, that's a great trait to have in any um, any sporting field and it's certainly, a, a, you know, a much-needed trait in our game. Craig, it's a, it's a real... Uh revolving door at the moment with players uh, coming and going, not just uh, for the Warriors, but uh, certainly in terms of the Warriors this weekend, for instance. Cody, Cody Nukarima has left the club very quickly, gone to the Rabbitohs. He will come in uh, onto the field at some stage. And, uh, of course, you've got your two young uh, new boys uh, on the block. Uh, they're in the squad this weekend as well, uh, Ronald Volkman and Freddie Lusick. So uh, the, the Nukarima situation caught a lot of people by surprise. What was... Uh, the reason behind his quick departure as such? Yeah, it happened really quickly. We've known for a while that Cody hasn't wanted to return to New Zealand. We knew that he wasn't going to, um, um, you know, wasn't going to sign with the club moving forward. He wasn't part of the future. So um, his management come to us uh, uh, only a few days ago, a week ago, and um, they obviously had a deal moving forward, but the deal had to be taken up, taken up now. So uh, it was one of those things that we thought about. He wasn't playing in our side currently. Um, he wasn't a part of our future and probably felt it, uh, felt it was unfair to hold him back. Uh, so we've, we've let him go and we're able to bring in Ronald, who we've signed for the next couple of years, Ronald Volkman. So we're, you know, we see him as being a part of our future, a long-term part. So we were able to bring him early and get a head start on him fitting into the club. And Freddie, uh, an opportunity come for us to 
pick up Freddie Lussick and he gives us a bit more depth and coverage in the dummy half position. So Cody was um, occasionally filling in a dummy half off the bench and uh, Freddie gives us an opportunity there along with Tenny Ella, uh, our young uh, backup dummy half. So we can give Wade Egan a spell at times and not just in games, but we can actually rest him a bit of training. He does a lot of work, Wade, a lot of kilometres during the week and uh, it takes its toll on his body. So this way we'll have the young fellows that can do some of the reps for him at training and, and um, Wade's uh, best efforts can be used on game day. One of the most talked about things um, is uh, when you use the word the Warriors looking to sign or hoping to re-sign Reese Walsh, whatever. Uh, when we talk about that, we're actually talking about you, to be fair, uh, Craig, um, along with the likes of Cameron George, I guess, and trying to retain players or, or find players. Where, what about, tell us about the process with Reese Walsh at the moment for people really anxious about where, what his future is. Yeah, we've had no fears with Reese. There's, there's been stories going around for a while about Redcliffe being interested in him, and I've got no doubt they are. And, and I'm sure if you polled uh, most of the clubs in our competition, they, they'd all have some kind of interest in, in Reese. Um, but he's a, you know, he's an outstanding young player, a really good young man, and uh, we've, we've, we're obviously in constant contact with him and his management and we've never had any doubt at all that he's not coming to New Zealand. That's, that's not a problem. Now, when he's off contract, at the end of his contract, he'll be the same as every other player. It'll be up to us to retain him and um, part of that will be financially that we can compensate him, but a part of that will be as well that we need to build a, um, a team that he sees a future with, you know, a club that, that he sees that we're on the, on the up and at the moment, despite our results, particularly the last uh, couple of weeks, the last three weeks, um, at the moment, I think he's very positive about that. He's inside the camp. He sees the work we're doing. He sees the signings for next year, and he feels like we are uh, putting a team together that's uh, on the improve, and he wants to be a part of that. And we've never... It's probably why we've had so much confidence when we've been asked the question all the time about him, um, whether he's coming to New Zealand or whether he's not. Um, yeah, there's no no issue with us at all in that space at all. And uh, it's nice to... He didn't need to, but it was nice to see him come out... Um, Obviously, he's fed up with all the talk and he came out about a week or so ago and put out a statement himself and just said that he's he's committed to going and the thought hasn't ended his head of not going and he's, he, he hasn't spoken to any clubs at all himself. There's a there's a few clubs and Redcliffe's the obvious one that are doing a lot of lot of their work through the media at the moment. You know, they're trying to pressure players, managers and clubs into making decisions and um, I can understand their situation. They're a new club that's come in. They've got nobody going to them and they, uh, they're keen to try and get some quality players and Reese is a quality player so I understand uh, their motivations but um, I think they're barking up the wrong tree there. Okay, uh, I should tell you Craig that um, it's a very emotive subject, the Warriors. Um, uh, on, uh, we're, here we are Wednesday, people still are over last weekend and they're, whilst they're still looking yeah. forward to this weekend and it's probably the most talked about subject and we're talking about a rugby mad nation here which is good, which is good for the Warriors because it means people care. Uh, we've asked people this morning to perhaps text in with uh, a question or two for you, if they can. Vaughan has come in and said, with the influx of halves options either signed or unsigned, where do we sit with Harris Tavita and his future with the club? The channel's got a lot of things going on at the moment, including his current injury, which is a bit of a, a unique and painful one. Uh, he, he's got some decisions to make himself at the moment, so the club's made him an offer. Uh, the club's really keen to retain him, uh, and he's uh, you know, he's got some 
Uh, I mean, it's not my position to speak on behalf of Chanel, but uh, he's got some decisions to make uh, from his own point of view. But um, from our point of view, we're keen to have him at our club. Okay. Uh, and the next one that uh, uh, someone has, uh, Dave has come in and said, look, uh, could, could we ask uh, Craig, please, about was Tamari Martin, who's made such an amazing comeback from a, a brain bleed, was he ever on your radar when he was sort of back home playing a bit of league and a bit of rugby? Yeah, he was certainly um, identified as one to watch to see how he progressed back. It was a pretty serious injury that he's coming back from, um, like literally a, a life-threatening injury, um, which is we have some serious injuries in our game, but rarely are they that serious. And uh, so there was certainly um, some conversations about keeping an eye on him, um, you know, as well as doing the right thing by him, not not wanting to rush him back into a level that he's not ready for. Now, Broncos took a punt on that early, and it's worked out okay for him at the moment. So um, he's, he's uh, certainly, as much as the Australian clubs talk about, um, you know, getting the Australian players back from us, we certainly keep an eye on those young Kiwi boys, and we'll continue to keep an eye on how he progresses at the Broncos and what his future looks like moving forward. On that subject too, Craig, it's an interesting one. I think Cameron George came out and told stuff that uh, right now the balance is 70% towards recruited players uh, who uh, are from overseas. Uh, how closely do you keep an eye on the local market? Yeah, very. It's obviously been very stop-start uh, recently with, um, when I say recently, the last couple of years with COVID and lockdowns in New Zealand, as you well know, has... has um, suffered more um, lockdowns than most um, during this period and more severe lockdowns for longer periods of time. So, you know, a lot of those sports were cancelled or postponed or, or put off. Um, so there's, it's certainly been stop-start. Uh, we do keep a close eye on it, including, you know, the juniors in the pathways. We're investing a lot of time and money, and you'll see, um, this is the, you know, guys over there working very hard at the moment to try and get it up and running. Um, we head back home ourselves shortly. And you'll see in the next uh, 12 to 18 months, you'll see a big investment, not only financially, but in um, resource and time um, in that junior space to try and create a pathway where our young Kiwi guys can uh, come through. They get upskilled and educated as rugby league players and also as young men, and they don't want to go anywhere else. You know, given the choice, they choose to be warriors um, as opposed to choosing to come to Australia to play with a um, you know, with Australian-based club. Always when you look at sides that, uh, whose form is fluctuating and sometimes disappointing, you start... You, I mean, the coach is always someone that you line up. Uh, Liam has come in, and he speaks on behalf of quite a few people, actually. When he asks this question, Craig, and if you could answer it, that would be great. Uh, can you ask the Warriors, Jim, how they can justify keeping a coach who has only won 36 games since 2016, uh, how they sign him in the first place? Now, uh, you know, you've mentioned various circumstances. The Nathan Brown situation, from your point of view... Yeah, I think you've got to be um, realistic when you look at some of those statistics as well. Like he took over a Newcastle club, which which um, influences some of those um, numbers that you're talking about, that win rate ratio. So I think you've got to keep it in perspective. But he took over a Newcastle club that basically not many other coaches in the competition wanted to touch, including um, you know Wayne Bennett, who, who walked away from the club, put his hands in the air, and um, I think he sacked himself was the famous term at the time because he couldn't do anything with them and. Um, and I think if you if you look at it uh, with a step back and look at it with a bit of clarity, uh, I, th I think he was doing a fantastic job at Newcastle. They were on the build each year. They were on the verge of the eight. Uh, and then some um, people got involved in the club and 
uh, moved him on, and and uh, you look at him now. They're back down coming last again now with a with a far better roster than what he had. So I think it's uh, I think if you just look at it in isolation, you can be extremely critical of his results there. I think if you look at it with a bit more depth. Uh, you see that he developed and educated some of those young guys and probably got their best out of them. We're, we're um, looking for him to do the same with our guys here. Uh, just finally, um, on a completely different subject, uh, the NRLW, the Warriors perhaps are having a side return to that. Is that uh, something under your jurisdiction or, or something that's likely to happen? Definitely, yeah, definitely. So our, our goal in the in the... Uh, not too distant future is to have a. Obviously, we have an NRL team. We want to have a um, uh, reserve grade team in the in the New South Wales Cup. We want to have an under 19 team and an under 17 team in the um, in those New South Wales Cups, and we want to have an NRLW team. So, we want to provide pathways for all the boys and girls in New Zealand. We want to play opportu- uh, provide opportunities for them to play at the highest level they can. Now, the obvious part with the, with the girls game is that. Um, you know, a lot of those ladies have relocated and, and uh, hooked up with Australian clubs now. So, again, um, some of them are settled and they've got lives over here and in Australia and they're, and they're, um, you know, they're happy where they are. So we need to get back in and see where um, the girls, the strength of the girls' game's at and, whether, and how soon we can put a competitive team into the NRLW. But absolutely, that's our plan uh, to have an uh, NRLW team and to provide uh, pathways going through for the girls as well, not just have a top-tier team. Craig uh, Hodges, thank you very much this morning. General Manager of uh, Football for the Warriors. Answered a lot of questions for us, Craig, with uh, your upfrontness. Really appreciate it. Good luck this weekend against the Rabbitohs, eh? No, not a problem. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Craig Hodges there uh, out of Australia. Yes, it's uh, the Rabbitohs this weekend with uh, personalities, uh, coming into the mix, who have just been uh, signed uh, from both sides, of course. Uh, someone who will be very interested in that is, of course, Lavina Good. She's part of the panel coming up next. It is 10.24. I'm very pleased to welcome this morning Lavina Good and Andrew Gordy. We know Lavina Good is passionate about rugby league. We heard her stand in for Andrew Voss for two or three weeks which was absolutely fantastic. Lavina, good morning to you. Uh, did you Were you privy to that uh, chat with Craig Hodges a moment or two ago? Yeah, I was, actually. I was privy to it. And, uh, I mean, holy crap. The thing is... Oh, good morning, boys, by the way. Smitty and Andrew, lovely to chat to you. Thanks for having me back on the show. Always nummy here. Appreciate it. That's all cool. I was having a, a chat to me old mate Kempe um, yesterday, and I was talking about the Warriors' performance, and, and we were talking about... <laughs> what they needed to do and the changes, et cetera, and everything that needed to be made. And it was so funny. I said, Kempi, the Warriors would have lost that, that game with the Sharkies having 10 players out on the pitch, not 11 or 12. The Warriors weren't in a great headspace to, to win that game. And, and the less players that the Sharkies had, the more that they wanted to dominate and move further forward in the competition. And the Warriors just didn't have it. So they're in a real rut at the moment, and they need to make a lot of changes culturally if they're going to be competitive this year and next year and the year after as well and all I can say is thank God Tohu Harris is coming back because they need leadership they need someone who's going to do the hard yards and get dirty and get hurt it's a it's a bloody hard game rugby league hey like it, it's so so tough on the body and on the mindset and when you're putting in a crap performance it's so hard to get out of that right but at some stage you need someone to do the hard yards and say I'm willing to get injured for the team I'm willing to take on everything for the team because I want my team to win and at the moment, the Warriors, Smitty, are playing like they don't want to win. They're not wanting to reward their fans. 
they're almost playing like, I hope we win. Gee, I hope we win. Geez, it'd be good if we could win. But they need more mana, and, and Tohu Harris is the man to bring that back for the Warriors, so that's what I'm looking forward to. Bring him back and maybe change a mindset for those players that have been putting in an under-par performance. Like I said yesterday to Kempe, they would have lost against the Sharkies if the Sharks had 10 players. It wouldn't have made a difference to them. Okay, uh, I'm going to come back to you, Lavina, on the Warriors and their signings in a minute. But, Gords, what, what, do, what do you make of it? I mean, I don't think I've heard more uh, vilified comments uh, against the, the Warriors team, and I've, I've heard a few over the years than there was over that performance last weekend. Our, the reaction and towards the shows across the board here at SCNZ have been mind-blowing. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Morning, Lavina. Morning to all the listeners as well. Um, really agree with a, a lot of Lavina, just, uh, what Lavina just said there. Um, they were, they weren't at the races uh, against the Sharks, and, and and you're right. It almost felt like, uh, you know, the the more players that stepped off the field for the Sharks, the more it sort of, um, I think the Sharks could see that the Warriors just weren't in the right mindset to win, and that kind of emboldened them as well. They they could sense it themselves. You could you could see the mentality of both sides playing out in front of you during that game, and it was so obvious to anyone who was was actually sitting and watching that game. The Warriors just were not even going to get close to winning that game. Um, and, and like you, Lavina, I am so pleased that Tohu Harris is coming back for the Warriors. He is exactly the person they need. I've just got so much respect for this guy um, as a player, as a person, as a leader. And I really think that he is the one guy that they have missed so badly this year. Do you know why? Because he is the only player in that team who knows really what true high performance in the NRL looks like. He's, he's got a grounding with the Melbourne Storm. He's won an NRL premiership with them. And in fact, off the, off the back of that 2017 victory, comes to the Warriors. That is exactly the kind of example that so many of these players need from top to bottom. And I'd almost go as far as to say the coach needs it as well. Because I, I think there's legitimate question marks over whether Nathan Brown is... is not just the right guy for the Warriors, but, but up to this level as well. Um, and if he can't inspire, then he needs a player who can. And I think Torhu is the one person in the squad who can come in and, and lead with his actions, lead with his words, and actually show these guys on the field the way forward because they, they desperately need it because they're not getting it from Sean Johnson at the moment. Sean Johnson is a lot yeah. of things, but I, I don't know that he is that guy for this moment. I can tell you what Tohu Harris would have done when Sean Johnson kicked the ball dead. So what the Warriors needed was possession and to score points, and Sean Johnson kicked the ball dead. Tohu Harris would not have accepted that. He would have gone off his absolute nut and said, mate, I'm busting my ass. I'm running the ball up twice in every set of six. I'm making more tackles than you've ever made in your whole career, and you kick the ball dead? You do that to my team? That's what Tohu Harris would have said to Sean Johnson. I don't think anyone said that to Sean Johnson at all after that game. I don't know, the fans are, are quite upset with performances in general. But that leadership that we needed from Sean was not to give the ball away in that set of six by kicking it dead. And Tohu Harris is the man that would say, buddy, that's not good enough. I'm playing for my team, my country, my supporters, my game. That was embarrassing. Don't do it again. That's what Tohu Harris will say. Just mm, that, interesting, OK. Go on, because I, I know the, the Warriors are a hot-button topic at the moment, but do you know what? This week, they're coming up against a Rabbitohs side who are, and, and I, I would almost say, as desperate a situation as they are. They've got no Latrell Mitchell. They've lost their captain, Cam Murray. 
Cody Walker is, is absolutely lost without Adam Reynolds, and now he's being asked to be the captain of the side. They've, they've got a real opportunity. As, as low as the Warriors are right now, I think there's, a, there's an argument to say that they've, they've, they've got an opportunity to win and, and beat a Rabbitoh side who ordinarily you would say they have no chance against. They do have a chance this weekend. Andrew Gordy, Lavina Good are the panellists this morning. It's 10.30, time for a quick news break. We'll be back with more very shortly. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Yeah. 10.32, we're with Lavina Good and Andrew Gordy this morning. Uh, both parents, of course, of uh, kids I hope are interested in sport. I assume they will be as they develop through their lives. Uh, and in terms of uh, secondary school sports and school sports in general, Sport New Zealand, uh, yesterday, Andrew Gordy, uh, the voice of Rangatahi report, believes a move away from one-size-fits-all sports structure will help grow engagement and participate, participation of young people. Do you concur with that? Yeah, it's, it's amazing, isn't it, Smithy? You talk to kids about what, what they actually want, and, and you might be surprised with some of the answers they come back with. Like, I, I applaud Sport New Zealand for actually taking this step because it's it's desperately needed but I, I'm one thing I can I can add I suppose from my own experience is that um, my, my my son uh, my eldest son anyway really enjoys playing sport but I, it's it's already quite clear to me he has no interest in being an all black or being a black cat but he does enjoy playing sport he enjoys it on a recreational level he likes having um, basically hanging out with his friends and being part of the team that's what's important to him and I think, I think sport really needs to start accommodating for, for that type of person because I see a lot of them um, on, a, on a Saturday. I can see lots of kids who absolutely want to, want to be an All Black, but equally there's lots of kids that don't. They're there just to, to have fun and have a good time. And if you only accommodate for the kids who want to be an All Black, that's where you're going to lose. You're going to, you know, whether it's at, at age 12, 15, 18 or whatever, those people are going, to, are going to drop off. And that's where there's a big problem for, for lots of sports, in particular rugby, I, I really think. But, but I, I, I love what they're talking about here in terms of changing up the, the traditional way we look at how we accommodate sport. You know, the, the standard training Tuesday, Thursday and play on Saturday idea. I think that really needs a shake up and actually um, a, a good friend of mine, someone who I'm sure you both know, Jim Case, um, I heard him suggest uh, not so long ago that perhaps your traditional Saturday sport could perhaps move to a Wednesday afternoon. Now I personally think that for a lot of parents, in particular in Auckland, who have challenges with not only you know work, obviously um, but, but they're so time poor that that having Saturday sport as well really does eat into family time, which is which is borderline non-existent now. And the idea that perhaps you know sport could be played on a Wednesday afternoon, I, I think that sort of idea is one that shouldn't be ignored personally. Lavina, yeah, I think that's a really interesting topic. I, I guess I've changed with my maturity. Before I had kids, I was all about. Um, trying to breed um, champions and elite athletes and trying to find who that champion would be to create that brilliant team. And I know the Australian model is to create an institute of sport, get them nice and young, get them in there early and find out who the best are. And, that, and then I had kids and realised that the thing is with kids and sport is that it creates camaraderie between, um, between friends and they learn to share with each other and they might not be a world champion, but they'll certainly 
enjoy the social aspect of sport that Andrew was just talking about. So I think one thing we do know is that kids are dropping off sport from year 11 onwards with a, a couple, two to three years to go in school. And the reason for that, I guess, is coming back on the back of the Rona, the fact that lots of um, teenage kids are really stimulated and interested in their phone as to what they are in sports. Um, the more kids that we have playing sport, the better it is. And, and the sports that my kids are into now, which is basketball, volleyball, um, hockey and water polo, they're not played on a Saturday morning. They're all played through the week. So I think um, asking the kids with somebody here is a great idea to get their feedback. They don't often have time to get to the game, let alone train. So we could drop the training. We could have it after school or even during school hours and um, see if that gets more kids in sport. Because the more kids that are playing sport, they're certainly not stuck at home on their phones, and that's got to be a good thing in general. So I think they're moving in the, the right direction, and we must realise that not everyone is going to be an absolute champion or represent their country, but they'll certainly get the social benefits out of playing sport. Which is not just not, not being on your phone, but it's about creating friendships and support for each other and caring about each other and that camaraderie that kids really need in their teenage life. So I'm really glad they're looking into this at the moment. Uh, Lavina, you would like to uh, make mention of women's boxing. It's not a sport we talk about very often, and that's the very point you want to make because uh, you want to see it go further and, and as far as the Olympics. Uh, you know, Madison Square Garden just a few weeks ago had um, the first time ever that women's boxing was the uh, lead bout. Um, Katie Taylor, the Irish boxer, was one of them. And I took an interest in it because I met her at the London Olympics, which was in 2012. And that was the first time ever that women were able to compete for a boxing medal at any Olympic Games. In fact, when it comes to Katie Taylor, who's an Irish boxer, she wasn't even allowed to box professionally in her country up until 14 15 years ago, so that's the first time that she was allowed to do it. So women's boxing, I think, has come a long way, and especially since it had that lead bout at Madison Square Garden. But the thing is, here in, in New Zealand, and it's on the back of what we were talking about um, with kids playing sport and getting involved in sport, it's great to have them participating, which is fantastic, which is what we want. But every now and then you come across someone who is a champion that has, you know, a real bright spark in terms of the future of that sport. And I know that here in New Zealand we have some magnificent boxing coaches we have some tremendous gyms i'm just hoping we're nurturing some female boxers because if they're good enough to be the lead bout at madison square garden then i think if we find a couple of kids that are 12 or 13 that are technically impeccable that we can invest some money time resources into we'll have a gold medal champion at the brisbane olympics in 2032 and that's something i guess for not just boxing fans but sporting fans to get excited about so the only young girls that enjoy boxing or bashing up the younger brothers, I know a couple, then maybe we can invest some time and energy <laughs> into that aspect of women's boxing to see if we can create a champion. It's an interesting point, actually, Lavina And Gords, I'd be thinking if you look to create a, um, an environment where you've got this opportunity that you get away from one size fits all uh, with your young lads, uh, is boxing something you'd put them through, put them into a boxing academy just to see, would you do that? Yeah, well, well, this is the thing, isn't it, Smithy? Like, they've got to have the options. And, and, and um, I suppose the, the thing, just based on what, what Lavina's just said, that, that Katie Taylor um, and Amanda Serrano fight um, is so important uh, globally for women's boxing because, you know, you, you hear, hear that saying, if you, if you can see it, you can be it. And, and I think it's important that... Um, and credit to to those who actually put on that event. I think matchroom boxing were were pretty pretty big um, in, in putting on that that fight as well. 
um, they, they can clearly see an opportunity with women's boxing that they're pursuing for, from a commercial point of view. Um, but like I say, if you, if you can see it or if you can't see it, you can't be it. Now that, now that you can see it, you know, I'm sure it would appeal to, to some young women out there who think, yeah, that's something that I could do. I want to give that a try. And then you've got to have, I suppose, the facilities, um, access to the facilities to be able to give it a go. And, and again, that comes back to what we were talking about previously. Kids want to have the chance to give lots of sports a go. You know, far gone are the days when, you know, you would, you would go to school and basically you're, you're playing rugby in the winter and that's it. You know, there's, there's so many more um, opportunities now, I think, and, and credit to schools and, and sporting clubs, I suppose, for, for being able to provide access um, to different opportunities for kids. Um, but that has to continue, and they've got to keep sort of broadening their, their horizons with that because there are some kids who, you know, hate that, don't necessarily want to be an all-black or a black cat. They, they are interested in other sports like volleyball, like, like boxing even perhaps. But you've got to have the resources there, the, the facilities, to be able to give kids the opportunity to give it a go because who knows? They could be a world champion in the making, but if they don't have the chance to actually give it a go, we'll never know. Uh, Lavina, it wasn't that long ago that Steve Hansen uh, and a number of quite high-profile uh, people mooted the idea of a 12s rugby competition. It was poo-pooed by authorities on the basis that players had enough to worry about now. The top-end players were so committed, uh, you couldn't find a window for it. That was one of the big reasons. Now we find global rugby bosses are meeting in Dublin this weekend to discuss the nation's championship, um, <coughs> which I would imagine puts more on those top-line players. Uh, do you see it eventuating? Will it happen? Uh, look, here's the thing. I think it's bullcrap, eh? Like, I wish they'd be so honest and transparent about it. I reckon it has nothing, almost nothing, to do with developing other nations. And that's what they're saying. It'll be a two-tiered competition. The second tier is all about developing nations. That is, we're not stupid. It's actually not true. It has more to do with helping, I guess, the financially struggling Southern Hemisphere nations that want to kind of join up with venture capitalists and try and make money because it's always about money smitty so be honest in the first place we want to develop a new competition so that we can attract more interest and make more money so first of all you get a tick there for being honest so i might be interested rather than being cynical but i really just believe it'll put more pressure on players that's why it was shut down in the first place and it just kind of devalues the other competitions that, you know, in their own right are succeeding at the moment. So I know they're meeting again and they're hoping that the North and the South will all agree. What are you hoping to agree to? To make more money? Be honest about it. Be transparent. And I might consider it. But at this stage, when you're saying it's about developing other countries that are underdeveloped in world rugby, I know that's not true. So I'm not for it at all, buddy. Not at all. Okay, good. Yeah, well, we, uh, we led our news bulletin with this last night on News Hub Smithy. Um, this is obviously, I know you're talking about the 12s. I suppose that was kind of rugby's, um, well, thinly veiled attempt to sort of produce uh, a, an Indian Premier League style of competition, you know, big, big contracts and whatnot for, for players. And, and obviously that didn't fly. I suppose what we're talking about here is the resurrection of the Nations Championship, which didn't get off the ground in 2019 because I think, um, among other things, primarily I think the players looked at it and said there's absolutely no way we can make this work. Now, now we were speaking to someone, and the reason we decided to lead our bulletin with it last night, we spoke to someone who was um, very close to these discussions and has been since 2019, and it sounds as though 
um, they've had a, a, a re-look at, at the potential models for this, and there's been some pretty tough standards set by, by the players, and by all accounts, those standards uh, will be met with whatever model they go for. So basically now, and it sounds as though these meetings are going to take place in Dublin, and as opposed to previously where the Northern Hemisphere teams uh, or nations said, we're not into this at all, it sounds as though there's been quite the shift in that mentality that those Northern Hemisphere teams now see that uh, this is something that we need to do um, for, for the global game. Um, but you're right, Lavina. The, the, the fundamental issue here will be money. And what, what it's really up to now is for all these nations to get together and agree for a way forward, and then they're going to have to go to market and commercialise it because what they really need to do, and this is how it was put to us, they need to get a cheque that is so big that no one is will be prepared to walk away from this. It has to be in everyone's financial interest, from, from England right down to you know, your, your Romanias, your Spains and your Portugals. Like it has to be something that will financially improve the situation for every nation, just not, not just those at the top. Um, but it sounds as though this is closer than ever before. Will it happen? I don't think, obviously, there's no guarantees in that regard, but it sounds as though there has been significant movement in this area. And I think, personally, we can expect um, to hear some news out of Dublin over the next few days um, that is a tentative uh, moving forward of this concept. Um, we won't have a definitive, but there will be a moving forward of this concept, I think. OK, Andrew Gordy and Lavina Good have been our panellists this morning. Excellent, as always. Excellent this morning. Uh, fantastic. For, for, and thank you very much for your input, the peer review. Great stuff. 10.45 here on SENZ. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. We've uh, Brett Phillips, he's a SENZ, uh, sorry, SEN commentator from uh, across in Australia. We're going to talk about this Carlos uh, Alcaraz who has taken the tennis world by storm this calendar year. Phenomenal. We haven't even played uh, the French Wimbledon yet and this guy's lining up as one of the hot favourites. So we'll be talking to him after 11 o'clock. Uh, we've also got uh, a number of texts to read out as well in the next hour and a uh, stump smithy as well. Don't forget that. Some headlines are very busy in the next hour as well. Uh, we're going to talk to Louis Herman Watt very shortly and Pip Morris, I think she's calling the Greyhounds today in Palmerston North. ...arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Louis Herman Watt joins us uh, just prior to the 11 o'clock news and uh, Louis says uh, to us I have a tip for you at Riverton today where there are 8 races 12.32 as the first race it's a heavy 9 Louis give us the goss come on I'm going to share this one Smithy I've got a tip for you but it also comes via our friend on the text line Mike 
And he was right. I think the bit of the day is this Devofsky for Calvin Tyler. He pointed it out to me. It's in race six. It missed the jump last start. And, and Mike said this. Missed the jump last start, much like the Warriors. Flew home unlike the Warriors. Out to the 1400 today. And it loves it. Yeah, barrier seven. Jason Laking, strong rider. The only issue is that heavy. Although it doesn't seem like it's rained there yesterday or today. So it might dry a wee bit. That's race six, Devofsky. It's short enough. One last one for me in the get-out stakes. Heidi High, 4.15 to 3.80 now. Uh, Robert Dennis has been running really consistent races. Hasn't won one in a while, but it might break through. It might be an each-way bet. Smithy, and um, this weekend, we've got plenty of Group 1 racing, including on Trivier, and, and on Trivier might prove you right, and we might win a Group 1 in Australia. She might be the first cab off the rank to do so. So I think she can go close. We'll see the markets come out today, hoping for a good draw and hoping that they move the races to Eagle Farm, mate, because it has been so wet over there. The uh, track at Doombin is just bottomless, they reckon. Oh, okay, not good news there. So let's hope uh, common sense prevails. Thanks very much to uh, Louis Herman Watt there. Uh, pop across to the TAB where it's a very busy day for Pip Morris because it's Wednesday and there are greyhounds at Palmerston North. There are 11 races beginning just after midday. Pip, are you ready? I certainly am, Smithy. Good morning to you. Not far away from sitting in the chair and you're looking forward to the 11 race program. I think Gary and Sandra Fredrickson have quite a good chance throughout the program, including the last two races with Highview Raider and Highview Moose if you're looking for a couple of bets. And in the reverse criteria race, Adobe Fox on box number 7 at 5.50, I think, is a good little play. And for the basketball and the sports side of things, don't forget about the same game claim. You can place the same game multi, three legs or more, and if you miss by one leg, you can get a bonus bet up to $50. And speaking of same game claims, Smithy, it's been a good $5,000 same game multi on Suns and the Mavericks. Suns head to head. Suns total points over 105, and Mavs total points over 94.5 to return 9.5k. So that would be a very nice Wednesday uh, for a certain punter. And again, $6,000 on the heat, head to head at 166, and 5000 on the heat, under 2.5 to cover that point start at 187. So they are the favourite option there for the basketball. We'll let you go, Pip. Uh, we know that you've got uh, plenty lined up this afternoon. 11 races to call from Palmerston North. Look forward to that. I uh, really do enjoy listening to, uh, to Pip calling those races. It uh, is fantastic. Uh, we have got a busy next hour, and we always say that, but we have. Uh, we've got tennis to talk about uh, this morning and uh, very much the hottest player, perhaps, maybe the hottest player in world sport at the moment, this guy, Carlos Alcaraz. He's beaten them all. They're lining up one, one after the other, and he's knocking them over for fun. Brett Phillips, the SEN tennis commentator, will be with us very shortly. Month. Uh, the Spanish sensation has jumped up to number six in the world following an incredible run this year, but in particularly this week with the Madrid Open. First player ever to defeat three top fours, top four players at a Masters, a Masters 1000 event. Not first player ever, but the first in 15 years, shall we say. Those players included Nadal, of course, Djokovic and Zerev. It's uh, time to chat now with uh, Brett Phillips, who is... Uh, the host of the first serve on SEN, and I'm sure uh, Carlos Alcaraz has been one of your subjects. Good morning to you, Brett. How do you begin to describe that performance, <laughs> knocking over those dudes? Look, Ian, uh, great to chat to you. And look, it's becoming not just a great tennis story. This is just a great sporting story, isn't it? I mean, right now, he could lay claim to being favourite for the French Open in a couple of weeks, which is quite extraordinary. It is 
really, Nadal uh, take two. I mean, five titles overall in his career at 19, the youngest five-time finalist on tour since Rafa, who had actually claimed seven titles by the age of 19 back in 2004, 2005. Gee, Spain have had you know just a great history of producing extraordinary tennis players. I go back to his coach, Ian, uh, Juan Carlos Ferrero, former Grand Slam champion, former world number one. And it was uh, Darren Cale who said to Juan Carlos about three or four years ago when he was taking a break from Simona Halep, he said, look, there's a chance to coach Simona Juan. And he was developing a little bit of a reputation as a coach, had his own academy over in Spain. He said to Darren, I've actually got this kid. He's about 14. I reckon he's going to be an absolute star. And I've started working with him, and I think I might stick the course well, here he is. I mean, he's gone from 120 in the world to six in the world in the last 12 months. I um, went to Indian Wells recently, uh, Ian, and and the great opportunity you have there is to get out and watch the behind the scenes, practice sessions, the preparation. And Indian Wells is such a great vantage point to be able to do that. And he is just a carbon copy of Nadal. He gets out on a practice court and he simulates those match conditions, which... Not a lot of players do. They get out there, they have a light hit, a bit of a tap around. But Nadal is playing sort of a, a full-on uh, match setup, and that's what Carlos is. And no doubt he's been a great mentor. But look at look at this young man. Physically, the last 12 months, I mean, for his age, he's just built like an ox. He plays every shot in the book. He actually believes, you know, his time is right now. I mean, most players are in this development phase. We never thought we might go back to a... You know, an era where a, a Boris Becker was winning Wimbledon as a teenager and the Dales winning a French at 18. Uh, the game had sort of, you know, become uh, mainly dominated by the older players. So this is a this is a real throwback. And, you know, when a guy, and you watch him in Madrid in the last week, I mean, he's got the power from the back. He plays the drop shot as good as anyone. And then he'll just throw in from nowhere a bit of serve volley. So he's got the smarts as well. He's just moment by moment. I've never seen a more focused young athlete, and he is heading to the top of the mountain. And what he achieves, well, that's all ahead. We don't know exactly. But right here and now, he is definitely ready to win a Grand Slam. He is. Uh, he hasn't uh, just arrived, though. I mean, it's not like he's arrived this calendar year. I'm looking at his uh, majors results, so slam results yep. last year, third round Australian Open. Third round mm. French Open, second round Wimbledon, but he was a quarter finalist that you were at the US Open last year. Yep, yeah. So he he's been building, and we've been tracking him since the juniors. I remember, you know, when he he sort of first came into light. You were you were watching a lot of the uh, the streams of the ITF events, which is where you start as a player. You work your way up to the Challenger Tour and then onto the ATP Tour. So. Yeah, we've been tracking him for four or five years and you just saw the growth. Uh, the, the graph was uh, incredible uh, over a short period of time. So, yeah, look, he's just got better and better and better every time I see him play and he does everything right. He's just hugely driven. Uh, there's a there's another young guy who's coming in behind him from Denmark called Holger Rune, who's just, uh, well, he's, that's his uh, abbreviated name because his full name is Holger Vitus Nodskov Rune. But for the commentators, maybe he's just, you know, <laughs> briefed that down, which is very nice of him. He's about uh, 40 in the world at the moment at the same age, and he's as driven as well. So, you know, when the big three do depart, I mean, I think tennis is in good hands. There is another really good batch here who are going to – probably um, have to spread the spoils. I don't think we're going to see those numbers again of Nadal, Djokovic and Federer with the amount of majors. Uh, you know, you might have just a few windows in the next 10 to 15 years, but 
yeah, there's some really good talent overall coming through. I take my hat off to you pronunciation-wise, mate. That was absolutely magnificent, I've got to say. <laughs> Top draw. Uh, here's, here's the thing about this kid. Often when you see uh, players from Spain in particular or some of the South American players, sometimes the brain over, overtakes them in intense situations or whatever. Uh, it doesn't seem so with this kid. He, he's got a, almost a rare maturity for his age. Yeah, spot on. Uh, look, and as, as I said, he he's, his focus is incredible. I mean, he, um, I mean, look, you know, there's been maybe a couple of times in the last couple of weeks. I watched him play Barcelona the week before. I mean, he played our very own, our number one here, Alex Dimonor, who's you know trying to take a, a bigger scalp. He's gone past Alex, you know, who's three years older, who burst onto the scene, got himself to um, you know inside the top twenty. They went toe to toe for three and a half hours in a day where he had to play a semi-final and then come back and play the final against Carino Busta, the fellow Spaniard, and he's mentor in a lot of ways later in the day. And he looked like he could play five matches in a day. I mean, he's, he's just, he's focused, uh, he, he, he's physically strong. I mean, his quote here, I'm 19 years old, which I think is the key to be able to play long and tough matches in a row. I'm feeling great physically. So, uh, you know, whilst, uh, <laughs> you know, certainly I think the thing we noticed when he played Djokovic on the weekend, it was a great match, right, separated by small margins. But we sort of looked at that and thought, yeah, maybe time's now shifting. I mean, Novak certainly hasn't had the volume of matches this year that he normally would, hasn't had that same continuity. So he's he's having to come from a way back and work his way into the year. And hopefully by the French, you know, he can be in pretty good nick. So he didn't play badly, but we saw a real shift of a guy who's – you know, 34, turning 35 this year up against a 19-year-old and just not been able to quite go with him for the entire journey. Really, let's, uh, can we look at another couple of tennis matters as well? I mean, obviously, this guy is going to be very watched when it comes to these uh, Grand Slam events coming up, but uh, the Russians might not be. Where, where is the situation now with uh, the high-profile Russians and tennis? Yeah, well, certainly Wimbledon... Um, you know, they're not going to uh, uh, relent here. They're, they've dug in. I mean, I think there's a bit of pressure, certainly from higher above the government. And, you know, you've got um, uh, Kate, who's, of course, uh, the patron there, you know, presenting the trophy every year. Um, you know, that, that would make it probably an uncomfortable situation. So, And Wimbledon's always done things their way. I mean, they don't uh, conform to anything else in regard to the tennis tour with their seedings, their traditions, uh, things that they'll implement that others won't. I, I think it is unfair uh, to the, the Russian players. In effect, they are, you know, subcontractors who travel the world, um, you know, doing their job. By default, they have a country next to their name uh, who they represent, but they really they represent themselves. Uh, they're not involved mm. in the government. So I think it is hugely unfair and it does take away some of the firepower. I mean, a Medvedev, Rublev, Azarenka, Sabalenka, and these are star players of the game inside the top 10, but I know the ATP and the WTA, they haven't come out and updated anything. They were meeting in Madrid, I know, last week to possibly look at, and the and the worst sanction would be is to not have rankings points for Wimbledon, which would turn it into an exhibition, which is a, a huge drastic move, but I don't think we're probably going to get uh, to that point. It's whether, you know, any of the Russian players or Belarusian players feel the need to, you know, take matters into their hands and, and maybe... Um, you know, sue in some ways for loss of earnings. I don't know. I mean, we haven't heard too much more about that, but they'll certainly be there for the French. 
they've been allowed to play the lead-ups, but, yeah, the grass court season with those lead-up events to Wimbledon is where we won't see any of the Russian and Belarusian players. But it doesn't look like it'll affect other tournaments throughout the year from what we're hearing. We won't be seeing Ash Barty either, Brett, which is uh, unfortunate because uh, un- unusual to see a-, a young athlete these days, and she is still a very young woman, uh, retiring at the peak of their powers, but that has been the case. Uh, what is it? What is that Ash up to? I, I've seen stories about possibly golf. Uh, I know she's engaged mm. to a golfer, yeah? Yeah, yeah, correct. Gary, her partner, they play a lot of golf. She's built the dream home up in Queensland. Look, I don't know what she'll do exactly. I mean, she's writing, I think, a children's book at the moment. Uh, I know she'd be in demand left, right and centre to appear here, appear there, speak at lots of um, uh, different places. She's got a great manager, Nikki, who... Yeah, we'll look after her affairs. She can pick and choose really what she wants to do. In terms of those competitive juices, I mean, look, she could do anything. As as we know, her hand-eye coordination, she played a bit of cricket. Uh, She's definitely a good golfer. She can kick an Aussie rule, Sharon uh, Ian, exceptionally well, and she loves Richmond. Her dream home is actually right near where the Brisbane Lions play in the AFLW uh, women's competition over here. So I reckon she'd go right at footy, um, and I think it'll be something close to home because that's predominantly why she quit playing tennis. She just didn't ever love travelling and being away from home for such long periods, which the Aussies do, you know, more than um, the Europeans and clearly the Americans who can just sort of duck home and have a, a week or two in between tournaments. A lot tougher for the Aussies. So, uh, yeah, I mean, she's got a lot of choice. Um, I'd be very surprised if she came back to tennis, but who knows? Who knows? Um, what she has done, though, is she's opened up a door. The big question is, uh, with the French Open just 11 days away, who are the likely candidates to walk through that door? Well, right now, you you, you know, the, the player that's taken her mantle as the world number one is almost unstoppable, uh, Iga Świątek from Poland, who I'm just so bullish about. I mean, she's a, a lovely girl to deal with from a media perspective, uh, she plays with this high energy. She talks quick. She plays quick. Uh, she's busy. I mean, she's on, uh, I think she's won about 23-odd matches straight. Uh, she is, you know, just clearly the number one now. She's earned that spot. Yes, gets a little leg up with Ash retiring, but her, her form over the last six weeks, she's won a French Open before. So she's going to be really, really tough to beat. I think she's actually separated herself a little bit now from the pack, and then you just throw a blanket over the women. I mean, yeah, it's been so open for a. Uh, a period outside of Ash, um, and and Ash didn't necessarily, you know, dominate every slam either. She won three of the four, but didn't, you know, necessarily uh, win, um, you know, slam after slam after slam after three years. So yeah, it's it, there's a there's a big batch there that could that could certainly win. But Sviontek right now is an absolute star who's going to, you know, be certainly around the pointy end for the next decade. How's uh, Emma Raducanu handled this uh, this calendar year so far? Yeah, it's, it's a, look, it's a difficult one. Obviously, every match she goes out and plays, uh, she's heavily scrutinised, heavily watched now. As soon as you win a, a Grand Slam, it's, uh, I mean, the great thrill of doing that so unexpectedly at the age and the ranking that she was. And that's that, that's a great moment for her and a huge uh, game changer. But it, it also brings this level of scrutiny that you can't sort of go away and have a little backwards period and a development period, which normally, you know, would be afforded to an 18, 19-year-old. She's chopped and changed coaches, which is interesting, and she's decided for the moment not to have a coach. 
um, which is not unfamiliar on the WTA tour. They, more than the men's tour, chop and change coaches galore. It's a bit like English managers across all the tiers of English football. You know, they end up with a resume of coaching uh, uh, 10, or, 10 or 15 clubs across their journey, and that's what WTA coaches do. So she's trying to figure out her game. Um, you know, she's played some good matches this year. She's been a deer in the headlights a few times where it hasn't quite worked for her. But she's sort of holding her ground in the rankings inside that top 15. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. I, I, you know, to me, I've taken the expectations off from where she was. Um, and there's you know, so much growth, but we don't know where she's going to probably land you know, long term. You uh, host uh, the first serve, of course, for SEN. Does that mean you'll be hosting it live from Paris or London coming up? Well, no, I'm, I'm going to be here, uh, Smithy, because I've got a role with Channel 9 here where they um, yeah, broadcast the three majors, the overseas majors this year. So I have a, a role here. So I'll be on the ground uh, this year doing it from uh, from Melbourne. But um, yeah, we'll see if we can do some travelling at the, uh, the end of the year. With the tour finals, um, yeah, we're, we're a long way away from it in Australia and where you are in New Zealand from the epicentre of uh, tennis. So probably at some stage, maybe I'll need to go and park myself and probably live uh, in that part of the world a little closer. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. I intend to do that with a bit of cricket next year, hopefully, so we'll just wait and see. Um, hey, mate, absolutely fantastic to catch up with you um, and uh, an update particularly on this fellow or these two new sensations in tennis, both on the men's and women's side of it, absolutely mm. fascinating. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your time this morning, and we watch this French Open with real interest. Pleasure. Thanks, Ian. Cheers, Brent Phillips. There, of course, who is uh, the big man when it comes to tennis for us on SEN, and we borrow him here on SENZ from time to time. Uh, and this uh, Carlos Alcaraz is something. He is absolutely something to be able to handle that kind of pressure. I mean, he's just turned 19 like uh, eight, nine days ago. To be able to handle that kind of pressure at his tender age, to take on those guys. Often we've seen these young kids come through and they might win the first set. They might go push them in the, in the first set. But this guy just cleans them up. I mean, he cleaned them up in 62 minutes in the final. Uh, he knocked over Zerev in 62 minutes in the final. That is just sensational in front of his home fans where you would think the utmost of pressure would be on him. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was great to talk to Brent. And for you, Maggie, we hope you enjoyed that. Thanks very much uh, for your text. Uh, we like to include tennis when we can uh, here on SENZ. Um, and uh, we'll see what uh, Ricardo, Ricardo might uh, be able to get Robbie Cornick back in terms of uh, one of his night shows, particularly while the French opens on because Ricardo does a lot of work for us at night time. 11.18 here on SENZ. For Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, it's time to go around the world with the sports headlines. Producer Logan here in SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Smithy, uh, of course we have the... The talkback time with Smithy, 9.30, uh, quickly announcing our winner of the day. Very, very consistent and incredible contributor to the show, Dean from Dunedin. Uh, there'll be a text coming your, mate, coming your way, mate, with uh, details on uh, how you can claim your prize. But Smithy, first up headlines, we uh, got something pretty incredible coming through the desk.
Breaking news. Breaking news. I know that. I know that sound. Breaking you do. news. What is it? Oh, you are going what to love it? you're going to love this, Smithy. This has come from The Guardian. Ali Martin. Brendan McCullum. The pioneer former New Zealand captain has emerged as the favourite to become England's test head coach with an announcement success uh, an, with an announcement on their successful candidate due this week. Uh, Rob Key, the director of England men's cricket, is looking to recruit uh, separate coaches, as we know, for Test and White Ball. And McCallum has been among those known, uh, as we've heard in previous days. But it has been widely considered that he was going for the limited overs vacancy, you know, given uh, his coaching career so far. But there's now growing expectation that McCullum may take charge of the test setup in a move that would combine his aggressive outlook with the captaincy of Ben Stokes, with the first assignment, of course, being against New Zealand at Lords on June 2nd. Smithy, huge news coming out of the Guardian there. Well, that blows me away, actually. I didn't think for one second that Brendan would take on being the test coach of England. A uh, bit of a poison chalice, to be honest. I mean, you are at least starting from rock bottom and uh, trying to make your way forward. So that's an interesting one for me. Great news for Kempi, I would imagine. He'd <laughs> be able to uh, sit in that chair for a lot longer because uh, Brendan, of course, with a uh, being a test coach for England, would be out of New Zealand for a long time. A long, long time every year because England's test programme traditionally is the busiest of all uh, test nations. Uh, so his commitment there would be huge, absolutely huge. Uh, in terms of the white ball side of things, I thought he might go that in that direction uh, because of the fact that he's so close with the current captain. They're good mates. They'd be a good team going forward, taking on the world. Uh, and England uh, aren't a too bad a white ball team, actually, to be honest. The current world 50-over champions, not too bad in the T20s either. Uh, got a good mix of players sprinkled around the world playing in various leagues. So that is... Um, that's interesting news. If that was to come to fruition, and those those kind of rumours that come out of England and are leaked by various forms of the media or somebody, genuinely are pretty true. So if that is the case, Brendan McCullum uh, being the test coach for England, I say good luck and wow. Wow, indeed. So if that is to be confirmed, as the report from The Guardian says, that will come uh, in the next week. Uh, it is you know, of course, we have to caveat that that it is speculation right now. But huge news both for Baz and for Kempi uh, if that does come true. Also around the world, Smithy, uh, this is a big one for fans of football, especially if you like the the virtual side of football. FIFA and EA Sports have ended their uh, are ending their long running partnership. Uh, the, the FIFA video game series will be disappearing after the maker failed to strike a new licensing deal with the world's football uh, governing body. Instead, EA Sports FC will be introduced from 2023. Uh, now, the game itself won't change too much because most of the world's famous clubs and stars have their own separate licensing deals with their teams and leagues. But what it does mean is that the likes of the World Cup and other FIFA-controlled events will no longer be included. So uh, EA has been producing a FIFA game for nearly three decades. I've grown up on them, Smithy. Uh, and it's a fond association with fans worldwide uh, that has helped the Zurich-based organization's brand uh, when it has been so uh, tarnished uh, amid waves of arrests uh, you know, over the years and corruption and all that sort of thing. So big hit there for uh, virtual football fans. Yeah, it is, actually. It's, uh, I mean... It's a massive thing. Uh, that's one of the reasons why kids don't play sport. Uh, they're absolutely addicted to some of this stuff. And FIFA has been one of the games that uh, I know my kids um, are absolutely drilled when it comes out. I mean, when I say kids, 
35-year-olds, 37-year-olds, 32-year-olds. Uh, not kids, but they, um, in terms of that, they are absolutely glued. And football fans around the world, people have got football in their system. Uh, we'll be interested to see what develops because of that, because it has been um, just like Christmas dinner, really, for the last 30 years. <laughs> uh, they've been under the tree, under the tree, and uh, you, you might stop for 10 minutes to play, have a bit of Christmas dinner and say Merry Christmas to the family. But uh, the first two kids out of the, away from the table will be straight back onto uh, FIFA. Uh, or, or uh, maybe an equivalent in basketball, etc. But or cricket. Uh, but the thing is, the thing is, that is big news. Big news. Yeah, heck, one of your one of your kids, I believe, would have been in the video game. Actually, lastly, uh, Tom Brady. Uh, of course, you know he's going back and forward about does he retire? Doesn't he retire? Well, now we know what he's going to do when he does actually eventually retire from the NFL, Smithy. Uh, he has signed a deal with Fox Sports to be a lead NFL. Analyst uh, CEO Lachlan Murdoch broke the news to investors on Tuesday morning uh, on the Fox Corporation's earnings call. Brady turns 45 on August 3, and the seven-time Super Bowl champion has said he won't put a cap on how long he could potentially play in the NFL. So we'll wait and see. NFL analysts are being play- are being paid handsomely these days. Former Dallas Cowboys uh, quarterback Tony Romo, who is notoriously very good at predicting what is going to happen uh, when he analyzes a play. Signed a deal with CBS in 2020 that pays him nearly $27 million per year. Oh, man. I've got reason to complain, those guys, Romo and Brady. I mean, think what you think what they'd get if they were uh, made themselves available to work for SENZ or Sky or TVNZ or TV3. I mean, that, uh, I, I feel for them. I really do feel for them. Uh, if they were analysts uh, in this part of the world. What did you say, $27 million? I mean, Tony Romo is very good, and he's very good because he works with the best broadcaster in America, I believe, Jim Nance. Uh, And they are just terrific sidekicks together, bounce off each other beautifully. Jim Nance, great all-round broadcaster, does the Masters as well and does the the ceremony in the Butler Cabin. Um, He's been one of the foremost broadcasters in sport around the world for such a long time, Jim Nance. And he would... Romo would learn so much off working with Nats, so much. Be interesting to see how Brady goes. I mean, Brady's pretty good when being asked questions. He's not bad at press conferences, etc. But to line up every day and produce theories and things of your own off your own bat, I've got all the technology in the world to support them through those guys. So <clears throat> whatever they come up, the product's pretty good. And if uh, if Tony uh, if Tom Brady says the grass is purple, people will actually believe the grass is purple for a while anyway. Says so Tom Brady. But there's the thing. Um, Tom Brady, big news, big news, but of course, who knows how far away that is. Certainly ain't this year now, is it? Because he is back. He's back uh, with his uh, side, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, you can be back too now, just by the by. Thanks for those headlines, uh, Logan. Very interesting indeed. Uh, 0800-150-811. 0800-150-811 is our phone number. Time to get on the blower and uh, have a crack at uh, picking up uh, some sleep drops, as was the case yesterday. Plus the $50 voucher went west as well. It's 11.32, time for a slightly belated news update. Really is top class at his job. Pad up and grab your bat, folks, because it's time to get stumped on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Up for grabs today is a $50 TAB bonus bet, plus some Sleep Drops Daytime Revive. They are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. Smithy, how are you feeling today? I know I believe the uh, the callers have had the luck on their side this week, but how are you looking going into the end of the week? 
Well, it all depends on your subjects, really, to be fair. If they're cricket, cricket, and cricket, I'd feel pretty good, but uh, you <laughs> tend to mix them up a wee bit. I have no idea exactly what's coming through, folks. I've not uh, preempted any questions, so I don't use Google or anything uh, to do with the media as well. So you're just taking on uh, my ageing aging knowledge. My senility is creeping in, and that's why the, the margin for error in your favour or the margin for victory is very much uh, a percentage that you should like. So... Uh, who have we after that load of waffle, which demonstrates how senile I am? Uh, what are we looking at? Who are we, who are we looking at today? Don't laugh, Brian. Power of the mind, Smithy. I think your recollection of sports uh, moments and memories is a lot better than probably most people uh, of your age. So please keep that in mind. Uh, joining us. Hey, oi, oi, oi. I can say it, you can't. I, I'm just saying, mate, you you blow me away with your recollection. I think you're incredible. Uh, joining us at the crease uh, is Reed from Gore. First up, come in, mate. G'day, Logan. G'day, Smitty. How are we getting on? Yeah, Reed. long time no here. Brother, how's things going down there? Not too bad, Smitty. Not too bad. Can you do us a favour? Can you say 13 for us? 13? <laughs> no, okay, I'm not, I'm fair not. enough. Just... I haven't been down here all my life, so. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. Got the, got the real twang, mate. Well, clearly you haven't. Okay, what are the subjects? <laughs> what are the subjects today, uh, Logan? That's a that's treat a, us. That's a on, Dean from us. Dunedin thing. Okay, today's topics for you, Smithy and Reed, are the Black Ferns, Formula One, and the Warriors. Take your pick. Oh, I'm going to have to go with the yep. Warriors. <laughs> all right, here we go. Of course, uh, we had Craig Hodges, GM of football from the Warriors on earlier in the show. Great to have him on. Always great. Love his insight into the club. First question for you, Reid. Which current NRL team do the Warriors have their best winning percentage against? I would say probably uh, the West Tigers. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Reed might be kicking yourself there. Smithy, over to you. Melbourne Storm. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket oh. field. Now, the best winning percentage for the Warriors was against the Gold Coast Titans at 63.3%. Next was the West Tigers with 529 So, Reed, close, mate. You're still in line uh, for, the, for the prizes there, the TAB bonus bet and the sleep drops. Question number two. Captain Tohu Harris is back in the Warriors lineup. Which NRL club did he play five seasons with before joining the Warriors in 2018? Oh, Tohu Harris. Jeepers, I'm going to go, oh, oh, yeah. Not 100% sure on this one, but yeah, I'm going to go Tigers again. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy. Well, I have to go what I went again, don't I? Don't I have to go the Melbourne Storm? That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Right well in the slope, right and away it goes. Yeah, well done. Gracious in defeat there, Reid. Next in line, Barry from Palmy. Come in, mate. Yeah, hi. How are you? Thank you. <laughs> Doing great, mate. Hey, Doing hey, great. Hey, hey, how could you answer the Storm to the first question? Did you misread it? Miss Eric? I thought their record was unusually good against the Melbourne Storm. I think they've tripped up the Melbourne Storm a bit over the years. But, um, okay, Barry, uh, since you're such an expert, we might as well just give you the damn 
sleep drops and the money now, I suppose. <laughs> Shall we even bother asking you a question? God. <laughs> Go we, for it. We Go do. For it's it. all sportsmanship here. It's all friendly competition. Last, last, last question. The Warriors made their first NRL grand final appearance in 2002, losing 30-8 to to the Sydney Roosters. Who captained the Warriors in that game? Well, what year was it, Duncan? Uh, Duncan? What? I think it's the wrong what station, year? mate. Uh, <laughs> 2002. Yeah, sorry. 2002. 2002. Mm. Who's? Who's the captain? Who was the captain mm. of the Warriors? Oh, look, no. Nah. Take a guess. Uh, oh, I have to have a guess, but 2002, geez, that goes back some. I'm trying to can't even think of a player. Um, <laughs> no. Mm, no, no, you've... you've Nah, you got me. I'm sorry. Do we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Smithy, over to you. I'm gonna. I, I'm just gonna say, um, Stacey Jones. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. The little general. That is correct. The little general, Stacey Jones. He captain the Warriors in that 2002 grand final. Smithy, huge, stumped. We're gonna jackpot tomorrow. Yep, we're up to. Thank uh, thanks very much to Barry. Thanks, yeah, thanks Barry. Thanks yeah, Reed this morning for taking part. Yeah, cheers, man. We'll have uh, another opportunity tomorrow around about eleven thirty-two, just after Araha's uh, news break at uh, the half hour. Uh, yeah, so we will. We'll go up to uh, another fifty. So there'll be a hundred bucks for a Thursday, and the sleep drops as well as uh, always up for grabs. So interesting. Mm. Stacey Jones, who could forget? It is eleven forty here on SENZ has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Coming up at 11.46 here on SENZ, and yes, our thanks go to Polaris, our side-by-side partner. Get uh, along to the dealer at the weekend and uh, pick up your off-road vehicle, whether you go for the Ranger, the Sportsman, maybe the General, RZR, the Commercial, or the Youth uh, one of those particular brands is outstanding, uh, but of course uh, they are um, uh, also uh, also of course the stockists of uh, all things off road. And they ha- the thing is they just keep them coming into the country, so there's always plenty of supply available to you. So uh, our thanks to uh, Polaris. A couple of other texts that have come in. Mikey said a wee bit too late for me to ask uh, Craig this morning, uh, Mikey. But I, I get you. I get you. I've been a fan since its inception for the last five years. I've lost interest in them. To try it again this year, but their team are playing like a bad joke. So my question is, why should I care about the Warriors? Uh, well, Mikey, I can't tell you why you should care about it. I, I can only sort of assume why people do, and the fact that they've just got you. Uh, they uh, Because they're the Lone Ranger and have been uh, for the whole time they've been in the NRL, uh, we kind of have jumped on their back because, uh, one, we like knocking over our Australian sides, and they have been our longest-serving overseas franchise in that regard. Uh, the other thing is we we tend to like backing underdogs in this country. We've always backed underdogs because uh, when we play a lot of our sport overseas, rugby aside, that's what we are. We are the underdogs and we're so used to being in that role. And, and that's why I think we're, we we go for the Warriors because every time they do win, uh, they do pull out that amazing performance. 
um, we get so excited about it. And, and nothing, uh, as a sports fan in New Zealand, I don't think I've experienced highs and lows so much as just following the Warriors since the station has been um, in its existence because uh, you tend to have to take a little bit closer notice. I mean, I, I've got mates who are Warriors fans. They watch it religiously. We have to change channels at the pub when they're on during the daytime. Otherwise, they get shitty as hell. But oh, that's cool, and you just jump on and watch. And you actually, you're quite, you quite used to get, if you weren't a Warriors, a genuine Warriors fan, you get quite a kick, quite a kick out of their pain. Uh, but that pain's addictive. Uh, and so that's why you'll be back this week. They'll be back this week, those fans. Do you bet they will for a turnaround game against the Rabbitohs? And to be honest, you wouldn't bet against it. Uh, Dean, congratulations this morning. Uh, thanks for the voucher. No problem at all. Uh, you fully deserved it. For you also, Toho is the man. Uh, he reminds me of Fat Albert and the Crosby kids. <laughs> Mop-headed bugger he sees every time I see uh, Tohu. That's what comes to mind. But yes, he is uncompromising in nose league. Sean's uh, kicks, kicks some up what uh, Kepi said. He doesn't want to get hurt. Uh, so the, uh, taking the ball to the line is a bit of a no-go. He doesn't seem to want to get into contact, which also, I guess, impacts the defence as well. Um, he's also said start the season again uh, next season. We'll start the season against the Warriors in the new Christchurch Stadium. Why not? Well, it's, uh, man, that could be a long way away. That could be a long way away, Dean, because, uh, as we say, it's still just a vacant lot down there. Get Kempi to be CEO in charge of everything. He won't allow um, I've, I've, those people. I can't say that. I'd volunteer to get sponsors, and I can't stand League Live. No one does anything except the ball runner. It's great to watch on TV. Well, Dean, there's so many themes you've brought up within that one text. Uh, it's hard to <coughs> hard to equate to them all. Uh, Simon, who listens to us uh, all the time, particularly while he's working, which is cool, uh, FIFA believes they can take back the IP and make their own game. They probably will, and, and uh, I suppose within FIFA now they have a designated branch for people looking at that kind of thing. So they have, um, yeah, they uh, have Smithy. They, oh, they have. They have okay. confirmed that they are looking to make their own game, but. I'll preface this by saying if it's anything like what Major League Baseball have done in recent years trying to produce their own uh, video game what, when there's other competition out there, it's bumpy roads ahead to start. It'll probably be trash. Okay, interesting. I, I, as I say, I watch over the shoulders every now and then of kids or grown-ups becoming kids again, playing from time to time, but uh, it's not something I, I will actually... Um, I, I don't endorse it, to be, uh, to be fair. On the rain, rainy days, shitty days, no problem at all. Sunny days, I'm an old school, get outside sort of a guy. Uh, Graham Thorpe's in hospital too, just on the subject of English cricket coaches. We were talking about Baz before. Says uh, he is seriously ill. This is courtesy of the BBC. Um, and uh, the 52-year-old, uh, who played 100 tests for England, a hell of a player in his, in his pomp. He was very hard to dislodge. Some very big scores, played 82 one-day internationals as well. He's been the England batting coach, but stepped down from the role following the 4-0 drubbing by Australia in the recent Ashes. Um, he was uh, also appointed head coach of Afghanistan's men's team uh, as little time ago as March, so he hasn't even been able to get his teeth into that. Uh, and he's in hospital as well. So um, we wish Thorpey, Graham Thorpe, all the best in his recovery from uh, that particular situation. And he's a, a rugby interest. Of note. Not such a high-profile rugby interest, but it's one that raises the eyebrows. In fact, you, you look at it and you think, goodness me, really? Did that just happen? Uh, the J Japan women's rugby team beat Australia 12-10 in the Tri-Nation tournament on the Gold Coast. Yes, Australia, maybe Australia have uh, played some development players. I don't know the makeup of their side. 
but they have beaten Australia 12-10. Uh, it was full of uh, errors, the Wallaroos' performance, while the Japanese side, based on some outstanding defence, they were very tough in that regard. Uh, but the normally reliable field goal kicker for the uh, Wallaroos, Laurie Kramer, missed the penalty attempt in the 77th minute, which would have got to see them get out of jail. She missed it. Uh, so the Japanese are currently ranked 12. Uh, that is a hell of a result for them. And the default has also beaten Fiji 28-14 earlier in the series. So that's a good result. Love to see that with the World Cup uh, not that far away. Nice to see the fledglings, the Mono Nations, making an impact to get the headlines. It's 11.51 here on SENZ Staffy very shortly. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.